Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to introduce my dear friend to you all, Addie Litke Kogan. Addie is a writer, a musician, a psychotherapist. They are non-binary and the pronouns are they, them. The topic that we're discussing today is the journey of self and identity. It's one topic that I think is a bridge for all of us to connect through, no matter where you come from, what your lived experiences are, or where you are in the world and the journey that you're on with your own self and identity. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce to you Addie. Hi, Dee. Addie, I would love if you can introduce yourself, your services, your work with listeners. Sure. Yeah, so um, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice. I've been fully in private practice for, um, I guess, about two years now. Before the pandemic, had offices in Berkeley and in Oakland, and now I'm online and serve diverse clients. And yeah, and I think today... I just want to, in my little disclaimer, is just that to say that I'm, I'm only going to be speaking for myself. By no means am I an expert on um, trans and, and non-binary issues. And that's something that as I've come into my non-binary identity, it's, it's interesting how people kind of come to you. It's like almost like an expert. And it's been um, really important for me to continue to kind of uh shirk that away just just so that I can uh, speak for for myself and um and in doing that I think that we find something universal or, or, or something connecting and so that's what I wanted to say as well I love that Addie because you and I go way back and we I think we just connected on our journey of self-discovery you know in all the different chapters. Uh, It's been years now that we've known each other and the way our lives have just taken different routes and shifts and shapes, but we always kind of come back to that connection of being open to just whatever life path opens up for us and, and going in that direction and following our heart ultimately and our happiness and removing regardless, you know, we're both psychotherapists, right? But taking labels away and taking boxes and categories away and just saying, Hey, here's who I am. I'm not an expert. I'm an expert on my own life, my own journey. And I think what we're talking about here today is really empowering everyone to just understand that there's so much power in you coming in and saying, I'm an expert on my own life. And I think by default, if we do have a particular lived experience that resonates for other people, 
it's so quickly and, and coming from like a psychotherapist background, mental health background, we can be looked at as someone who has an expertise or a, you know, if we identify with a specific gender, we identify with a specific label, uh, we're looked at as potentially, you know, professionals or, um, experts in that area, but really it's so important to say, you know what, I, I may know some things more than maybe somebody else. Sure. However, at the end of the day, like I can't speak for this entire group of people. I can only speak on my own experiences and what an empowering stance that is to say, I know a lot about me and that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I've found that trial by error by every time I I begin to kind of put my place in myself in place of expert, whether it's thrust upon me or I kind of step into it. Um, I regret it. So this is from a trial and error. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I completely get it. Speaking of that, you know, I'd love if you can share your journey through your own self-discovery thus far regarding identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you ask this, it's like, oh man, this is so long. This is, this is forever since I can remember now that, now that there is a label ish for myself in regards to gender, it's like all these stories pop up from earlier and earlier and earlier. And it's like, oh, oh, wow. You know, it's amazing how we start to re-remember things about our lives when uh, new things come to consciousness. But uh, I actually wanted to, just because it's you, and we both have this love for Persian mystic poets, I wanted to read this poem to kind of center my journey, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. um, Rumi? I was just going to say, Rumi? Yes. (laughs) You knew it. Okay. So, the root of the root of yourself. Don't go away. Come near. Don't be faithless. Be faithful. Find the antidote in the venom. Come to the root of the root of yourself, molded of clay, yet kneaded from the substance of certainty, a guard at the treasury of holy light. Come, return to the root of the root of yourself. Once you get a hold of selflessness, you'll be dragged from your ego and freed from many traps. Come, return to the root of the root of yourself. You are born from the children of God's creation, but you have fixed your sight too low. How can you be happy? Come return to the root of the root of yourself. Although you are a talisman protecting a treasure, you are also the mine. Open your hidden eyes and come to the root of the root of yourself. You were born from a ray of God's majesty and have the blessings of a good star. Why suffer at the hands of things that don't exist? Come return to the root of the root of yourself. You are a ruby embedded in granite. How long will you pretend it isn't true? We can see it in your eyes. Come to the root of the root of yourself. You came here from the presence of that fine friend, a little drunk, but gentle, stealing our hearts. With that look so full of fire, so come return to the root of the root of yourself. Our master and host has put the eternal cup before you. Glory be to God. What a rare wine. So come to the root of the root of yourself. Always roomy. Always roomy. Yeah. And the reason I, that poem has always been with, has been with me for a long time. But when I started um, Jungian analysis uh, about a couple of years ago, the first dream that I brought to my analyst was 
um, where I'm with a group of friends and a root begins to, a green root begins to grow out of the top of my head. And I, uh, somebody sees it and begins to, to laugh at me. And I quickly kind of pull it off, pull it out and like rub it to go away. And there's like a little drop of blood. And when I brought this to my analyst, I was like, well, this is a weird dream. And she said, oh, I wonder what this is saying about your gender. And I was like, kind of stunned because I was like, well, what about my gender? Like, you know, I was still using she, her pronouns. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I guess I'm a woman. And, you know, if you, I, I feel like a they, them, but I'll just use she, her. And I think that this dream is really the, the start of, no, there, there's more there's more here. This journey isn't over. You have not fully embodied yourself. And then a couple months ago, I had another dream where uh, a root is growing out of like my, my mustache. I don't have, I don't have a full mustache yet, but like a mustache and I, and I pull on it and it just like keeps pulling. And to me that that's kind of like that, that this goes just so deep that this journey with gender and so that's kind of why I wanted to to read that poem. I love that because it, there's so much that, again, your identity, your self-discovery is so, it could get so cloudy with the world around you and what people tell you you should or shouldn't identify with. And even in regards to gender and what she, he, they, them, like, you know, it's so easy for us to go with what others want for us Mm -hmm. and make it easier for them and ultimately at the expense of our own happiness talking about that Uh exactly where we need to you know land and kind of get to the root of the self Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and and for um for all of us i think that uh gender is a big component of that, like, because it has every bit to do with our embodiment in the world. And to to be fully alive, like, and not kind of stuck in in, um, the spiritual realm, as, as great as that is, but to make our spirituality lived, we need to be embodied. And I really struggle with being embodied. I have really struggled with being embodied and and I've realized that at least in part is because I don't know where I haven't known where I fit in terms of this between, between male and female outside of male and female, because, you know, when we see somebody in our culture, at least we go, what's their race, what's their gender. But, but those are kind of the two of the things that we really kind of, do first to, to kind of categorize people and, and, and then that, that influences how we are related to in some degree. And so I, I feel that also through the process of being a psychotherapist, because you're this, you're this uh, person in a room where they don't know much about you. And, and so things get projected onto you, like that's part of it. And that's been a real process of like, you know, where do I, where do I fit in terms of in, in this binary world? In one example, like working at Seneca, because I always felt that kids actually saw it 
clearly I worked with this little guy who kind of, he was like looking at me. He's like, so are you a boy or girl? Or he's like, my brother says maybe you're like half a boy, half a girl. Like maybe the left side is a boy. And the- <laughs> Kids are so innocently just yeah. adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Way of, like it- trying to relate to you. Totally. And I was so glad that there are no adults around because the adults who have been even more indoctrinated into the the binary would always interrupt that as if the kid had done something wrong, which then would immediately evoke shame. and Shame. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of answers your question. I know I'm I'm kind of a a circular talker, so um, hopefully there's something to follow there. So how did you, Addie, I mean, for some people who might be listening are not sure what embodied or non-binary even means, can you share just a a general understanding of that? And then we'll kind of go into a little bit more of how your journey unfolded. Mm -hmm. Embodied, what does embodied mean? I think it's like, for me, it's like, how, how am I fully alive on the earth and fully present? Like one foot in front of the other, like I'm here, I'm here. (laughs) Like, um, that, that's kind of what it means to me. I'm on the earth doing something with, with my time while I'm here. I'm not just kind of floated off into outer space or if, if I am floated off into the clouds as I really do a lot, I need to bring it back down to earth and do, do something with it, make something with it. Non-binary is really, really specific. I think to the individual, um, especially Um, there's, there's a great graphic that shows kind of that non-binary can be somewhere along the gender continuum of, of male and female, or it can be just totally outside of it. I've worked with people where it's more like what it is for me, which, which, which really feels like a type of androgyny. There's, there's a, some tension that I'm trying to walk that feels authentic to me. That is this um, androgyny be- between male and female. And then for others, it's like, I don't, I really just don't even do that. I'm I'm just, uh, not not on that continuum, and um, so it's this really cool thing because it it means something different to every non-binary person, um, and and so that's good for clinicians to know too is to really have no assumptions. But I actually think that that should be true for people of any gender, because what being a woman means for you could be different mm. than for another, and um, certainly and also for men as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really great perspective to just kind of, again, remove judgment, remove biases mm-hmm. and understanding one another and getting to know one another's story. So mm-hmm. through the journey of of self-discovery and really coming to claim pronouns they, them and getting to know yourself on a deeper level, the root of the root of the root for you what were some challenges that you faced? What were some ways that you really worked through those challenges? Because I think there's many people who can identify in some parts of your story. And, you know, we're all, we are all mirrors for one another in many ways. And so I think hearing 
how you've faced some challenges and worked through them to get to this point of like claiming like this is who I am and I'm removing the need to make the other person comfortable Mm -hmm. at the sacrifice of myself happiness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so deep and it's so hard. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. As I I was thinking back as a kid, like my favorite, this book that I was obsessed with was like, are you my mother? And I'm like, why was I obsessed with this? Like I, I had a mother, my mother never like, wasn't, didn't abandon me. Like, but I think what it was in this about this little like chick that goes around and like asks all these different like animals that are not him. Like if they're his mother, he asks like a, a crane, like a, like a construction crane. Are you my mother? And, um, and it's like heartbreaking cause it's like, he's, he's, he's lost in the world. Um, but I think that, I think that what that was speaking to in me is that what you just said, like I was just desperately seeking a mirror and I actually wrote a whole piece about cutting my hair. My hair got, was cut short when I was about eight and staring in the mirror and like doing my hair, how I wanted it, like short. And, and my mom walked by and I said, hey, mom, this is what I'd look like if I was a boy. And she said, oh, yeah. And kind of pause and you could kind of just feel this like anxiety. And she was like, OK, now put your hair back like a girl's. And after that, I actually um, had this whole time from like the age of eight to 14 as an Elvis impersonator. And I think that that was a safe way for me to kind of be more of myself. It was clear to me that like just being, I didn't have a word for non-binary then, but so the, so boy was the, the closest I could get like that. That wasn't okay. But if you could make people laugh, you know, if you could entertain them with this, then it would be okay up until puberty hit. And then that was not okay anymore. So that's kind of my, my journey as a, as a child with that. And, and some of the child, the, the um, challenges, and it's taken me a really long time to actually learn that there was something very sad about my Elvis impersonating. It was, I was hiding and, um, you know, it was, it was actually more of a detour to being myself. And that's kind of a lot of how I think of this. And, and probably everybody has this to some degree, but like that there's these detours, like, are you my mother? Meaning like, <laughs> who am I? Okay. Not that like, okay, not that. Um, and I think some of the most painful, most, most painful challenges have been in my relationships, my intimate relationships with women, unfortunately, where I think without kind of knowing who I am and kind of claiming that there's something that gets, that has gotten messy or something like that. Also as you know, many women have their own woundings with masculinity and um, various things that I've had a lot of relationships that um, I've come to see now my lack of claiming myself and my gender, I think caused a lot of problems um, that might not even been seen like on the surface of what was going on. But it's just really hard to be in a relationship when you're not fully claiming yourself. I think what you said, Addie, about just 
that book I think is, I think children's books just hands down in general do a beautiful job of just explaining life (laughs) in in just simple, relatable ways. So children's books really should be for all adults (laughs) (laughs) along with children. Cause that, that's so true. You know, when you look at it, right, you're already from your early on, you're taking on the permission to explore your identity through the expectations of your parents or your caregivers or whoever, you know, was raising you and, you know, almost awaiting validation and acceptance. And you know, when something's not quite for you and you're still kind of searching and you're going through childhood, then you're, you know, you go through the different developments of your life, puberty, um, adolescence, and then early adulthood, and then adults, and then where you just continue to go on that journey of looking for what reflects back who you are. And really, and that poem, just circling back to the root, to the, to the root, to the root, to the root of who you are, you take pieces of just different things that at the end of it really are for you and and you you reject other people's expectations of how you should live your life or who you are and it i think that almost is like a conscious effort always because we're constantly being even like you mentioned, like your friendships, relationships, or in relationship with other women, and then how that kind of fold, got folded in. And so, all the different ways that we are operating in relationships with other people, and then how we at times can take on what that other person thinks of us, or how right. we think they think we should think. Right. Right. And ultimately, to just say, I claim this. Yeah. as my joy and you let the rest go. Uh, it's, I think it's a conscious decision to continue to think about what you're unlearning. Right. Because, because without that, we're, we, we become objects to each other. I, I've, I've been learning. And I think that that's without sort of, and we do as, as children, like that's where we are as children. Like, my child doesn't know me as like a separate, like a, a human who has my own thoughts and feelings. Like I'm, I'm an object to her. And, and so, and then we hope that she grows up to a place of, of claiming herself and that's the process of growing up. But when I don't, when I haven't known who I am on this very essential level of gender and haven't had a place to put it or I haven't claimed it, um, it, it puts it's put the women that I've been with in the position of object more than is healthy in terms of how I'm trying to find myself through their reflection and so yeah looking for that type of validation seeking it just it puts it puts a lot of pressure on a relationship and ends up tearing it apart I think so that's a good segue into asking Adi what what ha- from your experiences have been some safe ways to navigate and explore yourself, your identity, your gender, and even thinking about just boundaries uh, to protect your peace while you're on your journey to self-discovery and identity. Because you're right, a lot of times, regardless, we're always working out something within ourselves in relationship with 
friends or intimate partners and parents. And so by default, we're all naturally going to hurt one another in the process of that. And I think it's so important to remember being gentle with yourself, being compassionate with yourself and with one another, because we're, I I like to believe in the best in most people. (laughs) There's some evil people in the world. We know that. (laughs) And so regardless, um, but even that, right, we're all trying to, again, work something out within ourselves while we're in a relationship with one another. So how do we navigate those things uh, within ourselves that can be safe? Mm-hmm. And also through a sense of boundaries as we're in relationship yeah, with each other. Totally. I mean, I think, it, like I said, that I think I've also, in that process, very much allowed myself to become too much of an object. So, it, in intimate relationships with women, it might be like, how do what, how do I need to be to affirm the femininity that they're trying to own? you know, uh, how they want to be seen in the world or, or something like that, which, you know, if it doesn't feel like me, then that's a, a concession of myself. So yeah, that really speaks to that. And, um, and this happens in relationship for, and it happens in all gendered relationships. Like as we try to, we try to find ourselves and seek ourselves. So in terms of safety, again, I, I don't think we can ever be f- fully safe or we need, you know, I like to kind of like, what is safe? Like if we're in a a good relationship of growth, there's going to be discomfort and we're going to get ourselves into narrow places where it's like, wow, how did we get into this hole? You know? And, um, I, I think that good relationships know how to dig themselves out of that and know how to get out of narrow places. Meaning to me, that means we can re-embrace curiosity about one another, um, a sense of mystery, let, letting go of any dynamics of dominance and submissiveness, um, I think are key to getting out of, out of a narrow place. In, in regards to being non-binary and trans, for me, I think something that I'm looking at in terms of like, I, I get I can choose like what feels safe to talk about for me or like or comfortable to talk about for me in, in any s- specific scenario. So I, I take a low dose of testosterone and 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 people just they want to talk about that. There's there's a lot of curiosity, genuinely so, because I think that people have curiosity about hormones because they're so interesting but but there's a way that I've kind of been learning that I need to be just a little more protective about that for myself mostly because I, what I notice happens is that that act those discussions actually I feel like get us into a narrow place because I actually feel that testosterone and its effect on me which is which is individual to me because people have different um, interactions with it is is actually like the least interesting part of my transition journey or my gender journey and it begins to feel like a little bit like my insides feel too exposed and I'm being picked picked apart or excavated or something like that so that's something for me and I think different different trans people feel differently about that some people some people really like to post about those changes and and that's cool too but yeah 
kind of goes back to really listening to yourself, like really listening and honoring what makes me feel expansive mm-hmm. and feel good and more uh, deepening the root of the root of the root of myself mm-hmm. and what makes me feel restricted and boxed and confined and listening because you're, you're, you're really paying attention to conversations and who you're talking to and you might feel more expansive with one person than someone else. Um, So where are those safe spaces that you, right? Like that kind of just even generalizing, like what is safety and boundaries for you look like and what you're, you know, really ultimately it's, it's personal. Mm -hmm. It's unique and it's about really tapping into paying attention to what again is feeding you along your journey and what is almost, um, deterring you or sucking the life out of you Mm -hmm. uh, and respecting and honoring that within yourself and staying true to that regardless of how it might make another person feel uncomfortable and you can name that you can say I know this might not make you or our relationship feel good um and I I would respect that this is honored because I'm on a personal discovery of what feels expansive and restrictive for me. And this right now feels restrictive and that's okay. And you might want to say that to some people because of whatever the nature of your relationship, um, you might be closer and you want to share just a little bit of that. And so they can understand. And for some people just, you don't even have to say anything. You don't have to explain nothing. It's just, nope, we're we're just not even going there. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Releasing the guilt from having to, I think, overshare or explain and go in depth when you're not either ready to or you're not wanting to. Right. Yeah, I think it's, 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 I'm still fine tuning this actually. I feel comfortable with other um, non-binary or trans people talking about, most of the time talking about pretty much anything as it regards, in in regards to my transition, particularly anything, anything medical would be the only people I really feel comfortable talking to and my wife, because she's intimate with me and my body. So, so those are the only people that I truly, truly feel comfortable talking about that with. And I I think sometimes I found myself in this, these positions where um, maybe you can tell that, that somebody's not super, they haven't been around a lot of people, um, or even queer people. And, and there's just like this, you know, you're an other, you just, you know, a lot of people know what it's like to be an other in some way. And there's, yeah, there's this kind of, um, it's, it's like your unknown land to be discovered or something. (laughs) And I've, found myself that sometimes what I do is I'll be like, okay, I'll just overshare because then it'll be over with, you know, let me just get this over with this extraction over with, but actually how on, on, on some level, it's actually like an act of um, violence that I'm doing to myself. And it almost feels a little bit because it's about my gender and my sexuality. It's like, it just feels like a little sexually violent. And so I'm really trying to learn how to have boundaries with that and just say, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about that or can we talk about something else or um, something to that degree. But that's what I'm trying to learn language around is boundaries for when and what I I do and don't want to talk about. But it's hard and, and I don't always get it right. And 
And that's okay, right? We, uh, I love that you shared that because, you know, there's ways that we will overshare and then we actually will feel the effects of that afterwards. And that right. is also something to pay attention to on your journey to just really, uh, again, another way to understand yourself and what feels okay for you and what doesn't feel okay for you. Mm-hmm. And really honoring that and, and then noting, making a note of that and saying, okay, that is not how I want to consciously move forward in a conversation with either this person or in general with anyone again and, and honoring and not betraying yourself um, in that process. And if, you know, it's always kind of constantly an unlearning and a learning and unlearning and the learning it's, it's a journey. And Addie, are you online? Can people find you somewhere? And if they feel resonated and connected to your stories, there's somewhere where your services or your work is available through either your music, your writing or other ways. Totally. I can uh, send you the links after if there's any way to post them, but um, I'm at addielichtypsychotherapy.com as as a therapist. Um, and then I have a little blog that's called Addie's Writings at WordPress.com. And then I have YouTube that has some some videos up of, of some of my songwriting. So those, Which, yeah. you have a beautiful voice. I've you. heard you live and I've watched your videos and they're so healing. They're so therapeutic. And you write your own material and you play your own musical material too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd say that's, that's been a place where when I look back to like there, it's a place where I get out of a narrow place is with my music. Like uh, I've, I've gotten to some place that's too rigid too shut down and, and, you know, then either a dream or, or music will kind of rise up to like, like the parting of the Red Sea or something. Mm, um, yeah. I love your analogies. I, yeah. I, I'm going to keep that in mind, the narrow place and not, mm-hmm. not getting stuck in the narrow place. Yeah. You know, can I identify with what that can feel like within and expanding out of it? Yeah. Yeah. And means. I think that, that that's really like, it's a very, um, I think everyone can, can connect into that, but as a, as a non-binary person, that that's really this, this edge of that I'm trying to walk to not uh, actually collapse for me, it would be a collapse into masculinity, um, only man or only woman in an embodied way. I'm really trying to kind of live in that space, but have it not be narrow. <laughs> that makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. And Addie, is there one thing that's left on your heart that hasn't been said yet that you would want listeners to know? That everyone is on a gen- I think everyone is on a gender journey. I just want to say that, that I, I don't think it's just me. And I don't think I have, like, I, I'm so unique and so special that I'm on my, I have, you know, everyone is on a gender journey and, and they're all unique and it's all about a being embodied and connected to the world and to the earth and to the root of the root of yourself. And we need to, to support everyone in finding healthy ways to be embodied gendered beings without dominance and submission of the other. So that's what I'd like to say. Mm, That's a great way to end uh, such a great topic and an important one for 
all of us. And thank you so much for being here, Addie. Thank you for your time and your sharingness of yourself. Thanks, Adi. This was great. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. And if you found value in this episode or any of my episodes, I would love if you could just take a moment just going over and hitting subscribe to the podcast and leaving a review. This really helps the show rank and be found and searchable and you know the the podcast industry and be able to reach more women and reach uh, being able to really just make healing accessible empowering and fun and i just want to make healing go viral like that's just so important to me and making it accessible and i'm not for everybody but for the women who do find me i do hear from you that i have an effect and an impact in your life on your healing journey in some small way and that's all that I care about. So if I can reach you, that subscribe and review goes a long way. So thank you for taking time to do that as well for me. If you have any desire to continue the journey on your healing journey with me, I offer a few services. So let me lay those out real quick for you. I offer one-on-one services, one-on-one therapeutic life coaching services. Send me a DM or an email and you can go ahead and set up a free 15 minute consultation with me and we can see if I'm a right match and fit for you. And if we're we gonna be able to do great work together, then we'll, we'll go forward with that. If not, I have referrals and that's okay too. I'm not for everybody, but I'd love to connect with you if you think that there's something I can help you with. Even having one breakthrough session, I've had clients come back and have one breakthrough session and it's been transformational for them. So. We can map out your healing together. Just go to my website, edictc.com, E-I-D-I-T-C.com for more and to schedule and connect with me there. I also offer two healing retreats that are coming up in 2021. If all things are safe for travel, uh, we will be heading over to Bali. There's one spot left in May and there's seven women going and we're looking for our eighth woman to join us. And in Spain, we're heading over to San Sebastian in October. If that's something that you're searching for and longing for to travel with purpose, then Spain or Bali is your your thing. You You gotta hit me up and submit an application as the first step. And then I'll reach out. I'll reach out to you within 24 hours and we'll go from there. Go to adeetc.com for more information. Thank you.